0: I might try to wow you with the new features. Say, oh, look at all these features. How did anyone get anywhere before? I don't know, a touchscreen infotainment system. Were we even really driving? Look at all these features. Not only does it have heated seats, it has somehow magically cooled seats, air conditioned seats, which really appeals to us here in South Carolina. See, so look at the efficiency. I might even take you over to your car and say, look how old and busted this thing is. Is there some kind of sentimental value? You know, if this was a horse, we would have put it down by now. Why are you doing this to it? Why are you living with that odor in this vehicle? It's developed a musk over the years. What about something else? If I wanted to convince you to something, if I wanted to encourage you to something, what would I say? If I wanted to convince you to consume bluebell ice cream exclusively, right? <laughs> I might bring you a box of ice cream sandwiches and just pass them out discreetly at all sorts of functions, uh, becoming evangelist of Bluebell, till all the world knew that it is the superior ice cream. You know, if, if I was going to encourage you to do something, if I was going to you know, try to convince you that this was something that you need to do, I might just give you a long list of reasons of why this is so good for you. Why you ought to change everything to do this. And I tell you today, that is exactly what Christ is doing in this passage. His desire is that you should call on the name of the Lord. That you should pray to God. And it's, I mean, it's audacious how much Christ desires that we should pray to the Father. What he gives us in our passage is a long list, at least eight different reasons why you should, even right now, be reaching out, crying out to God and praying to him. As we've talked about before, there are there are two dispositions, there are two types of things that happen in the Old Testament. There are certain times, and the Bible will say in the Old Testament, at this time, everyone did whatever seemed pleasing to them. Everyone did whatever pleased them. That means things were bad. (laughs) That's what that phrase means, is people were taking advantage of each other, people were mistreating each other, people were abusing each other. People did whatever was good in their eyes, and that is not a good thing. There's another phrase about certain times in the Old Testament. The phrase that they use in the Bible is, at that time people began to call on the name of the Lord. So which will it be for you in your life right now? Before we even look at our passage for today, which is it that your life is at this moment? Is your life described by, "Eh, she does just whatever pleases her, and it's not good. Or is your phase of life right now described by, she began to call on the name of the Lord at that time in her life? I tell you today, whichever it has been, let it be the day where you change the narrative and the story of your life to be. It was on that day when he began to call upon the name of the Lord. And I'm going to give you a bunch of reasons because Jesus, I say audaciously, gives us all of these reasons why God desires for you to pray to him. God wants you to call out to him. God has loved us so much and wants so good for us that he is always ready to receive us. Let's pray together and let's read what Jesus says about prayer today. Father God, I thank you so much that you've spoken so clearly to us. And I pray that as we read your words today, we wouldn't harden our hearts, but that we would believe, that we would seriously believe how good it is to know you, and that we would seriously believe how dearly you love us and how much good you have planned for us. This I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. To the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Who among you, if his son asks for bread, would you give him a stone? And if he asks for a fish, Would you give him a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Therefore, whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them. This is the law and the prophets. This is the word of the Lord for us today. First, Jesus says, ask, just ask, seek, knock, he says. It seems from this passage that the problem is not that we're bad at praying, the problem is that we are frequently absent from praying, that we're not praying at all. The problem for God is not that we're bad at it, we're not praying at all, perhaps. Uh, you might worry anyway that you're not particularly good at praying or you don't know what to say or how to say it to God. Not sure what you should start saying. But perhaps this is simply reflective of any conversation you're having with somebody that you're just not sure what to say. But what Jesus says is the problem isn't that you're bad at praying. It's not poor praying. The problem is not at all. And so the command, again, I think the word appropriate, you tell me, is the word audacious appropriate here? I think it is for Jesus to just say, ask, just just ask. Knock, seek, reach out. We have this problem, all of us, that when we do wrong, our knee-jerk reaction is to hide from God. And the call from God is always to come straight to Him, to reach out to Him, to cry, to ask, to go and to find Him because He wants to be found by us. In a word, we have the exact same problems that our parents had, right? If we are to take Adam and Eve as our first parents, when they sin, what do they do? When they sin, they go straight to God and they cry out to Him and they say, we were wrong, we're sorry, we're not going to do it again, can you forgive us? No. Adam and Eve do wrong, and they open their eyes to see that the shame that they are now covered in because they've sinned it's not shame because they're naked, it's shame because of their sin, and so they try to cover themselves because they're sinful. And they try to hide from God when he comes. And you know it's absurd to even try to do this. And the Bible even declares it to be a bit of an absurdity. They, they try to hide out from God. What is that even like, you know? They're, they're, it doesn't make any sense if you think about it. But they did it. And have you ever felt that that's what you were doing? Does this not accurately describe what we do sometimes? Ah, I know I did wrong, and that that living in sin or that there's a sin you haven't repented of keeps you from praying to God, keeps you sometimes from even going to worship with the congregation of God. For some reason, our knee-jerk reaction is just like Adam and Eve to hide out, and against this we have this encouragement from Christ. Just come and ask. Sometimes we have this fear that we don't know what to say or how to ask it, or we need to get the formula for prayer correct first. And to that, Jesus says, just, just come and ask. His expectation is that you wouldn't know what words to say. His expectation is that we wouldn't have the right things to say to Him, or we wouldn't know what all is right and best for us to ask. But the first thing He says boldly and powerfully without stuttering to us is this, come to Him and ask. Seek and knock. I ask again, if I wanted to encourage you to do something today, what, what all sorts of methods would I use to encourage you to do something? When the long list of encouragement Christ gives us today, the first is this, His invitation. He invites us to pray to you. God has invited you to pray to Him to tell them about whatever is going on in your life. This is our first encouragement. Is that God's not far away. He's not going to be troubled by us. He has invited you to pray to Him. The second is this. He makes us promises if we will. Let's say perhaps the opposite. Rather than speaking up, let's say I have a child and I'm trying to get them to stop speaking up for just a moment, right? You know, what do you What do you want? <laughs> I'll give you, I can threaten, I will take away your screen time later today. I can promise I will give you a peppermint in the lobby afterwards, if you would just zip it for a minute. We do all sorts of things. We make really good promises. Far better than us, though. Christ has made these serious promises to us. There's an invitation that we should pray to him, and there's also promises. He says to us, ask, and it will be given to you. I mean, I don't know. Maybe you should ask. It says, Ask and it will be given to you. Knock and the door will be open to you. Everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be open. These are really good promises. Not only does God invite you to prayer, God says, even before you ask, that his desire is is to answer your prayers and provide for you everything that you need. What else do you need? An invitation and these excellent promises? But also, the way I understand this, he is saying that he will be available to us in all circumstances. It's not just repetition, ask, seek, knock, although it is ask, seek, knock. The the repetition itself, I think, is an argument in favor of coming to him. But it's not just a repetition there's a bit of a difference to the series. Or again, and I I feel vindicated in using children as an illustration repeatedly in this passage, because God does, right? Christ calls us, He talks about a father with children. So, let's say a child is looking for their father, right? Let's say a child has some need. What's the first thing a child will do if they have some need? (laughs) Dad! There's there's levels to a child trying to get your attention. Level one, dad, I'm hungry, I need something. The first thing a child will do is call out, and why not? If the father is present to a child, then the child will simply call out. And what if the father is not present in our metaphor? What will he do then? Well, if you have a child in your house who cries out, dad, and doesn't get an answer, what's the next step? he will seek you. This child will start looking for you. He will seek you until he finds you. And let's say this child goes and goes looking for dad, and the door is closed. What will the child do? If it's one of my children, they'll just, they don't have boundaries. They'll just burst the door open. <laughs> they teach you how to knock, child. I mean, a child will Knock. A child will stick their fingers under the door. A child will do whatever they can. And it is funny, but it needs to be our disposition with God. Do you need from the Father? Well, then ask. Do you need from the Father? Well, then seek. Do you need from the Father? Well, then knock. Our Father is never far away from us. We never need any more than to whisper a prayer to Him than to speak to Him in our hearts and cry out to Him. But let us be like this child, because after all, the Father has said this. The Father has said, ask. Is that not enough? Seek if you need to seek. Knock if you need to knock. But our Father wants to answer for us. Everyone who asks, receives, He says. Everyone who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks the door will be opened to Him. Christ wants you to pray to the Father. He has invited you to pray to the Father. He has made promises to you if you pray to the Father. And He has encouraged you that in all circumstances you should seek the Father out. Perhaps for us the metaphor works like this. God is always near to us. But perhaps you you are experiencing in this season of your life or even just this morning that beautiful, close, sweet presence of God in your life. God bless you if you are. What a joy it is to experience the presence of God near to you. Well, then ask, and for those of you who, who are in a season where you're not, where the noises or the distractions of the world have you distracted, or you just don't feel close to God. Well, again, as we say regularly, the good news is we don't live by feel. We live by faith so seek Him out. Do you feel like God is far away? Well, then seek Him, and He will be found. It's His desire. Knock, and it will be answered. God has made Himself available to us in all circumstances, so great is His desire. Fourth, everyone, this key word here, everyone who asks shall receive. It just happens that we think God will answer somebody else's prayers better. It just happens. And in, and in fact, Scripture says that the prayers of a righteous person has great results, right? So, you, you go and you find somebody, you say, hey, uh, pastor, uh, pray for me. You know what your pastor says? I would be happy to pray for you anytime, place. In fact, I'll invite you today and say, come on down and let me pray for you this morning. We Christians love to pray for each other. But when Scripture says that the prayers of a righteous person have powerful results, you need to understand that anybody who has put their trust in Christ now has the righteousness of Christ in their lives. We have been made righteous with the righteousness of Christ, and we are counted as righteous by the righteous actions of Christ. So when this verse says, everyone who seeks finds, then you need to know He's talking about you. Everyone who seeks finds, yes, we will all be praying for you. I promise you, there are even right now some saints of Tolathe Baptist Church that are praying for you right now. We will all pray for you. I will pray for you any anytime, in any place and anywhere. Just ask, I would love to. But you need to know also, God's desire is that you would have a direct relationship with Him and that you would come to know His presence yourself. Everyone, everyone, including you, is welcome to come to the Lord, and everyone who asks will receive. Next, Jesus again. Here is His uh, parent and child illustration. Uh, So, I'm not just beating you up with children illustrations. God brings His own. He says this, who among you if your son asks for bread, would give him a stone? Who among you, if your son asks for fish, would give him a snake? Now, maybe you have a Dennis the Menace-style child, and if he asks you for a fish, you'd be suspicious about what's going on here. You know, what are you going to use this fish for? You know, clearly the passage means dinner. If your child asks you for dinner uh, and not a pet, uh, it is okay to say no to pets, and it is okay to say no to your child if he has a Dennis the Menace look on his face, and he's asking you for something uh, for a heist or a caper. You can say no. However, the point is, whatever your needs are, something to eat, bread, something more substantial, dinner, a fish, God knows how to provide. What's more than that? He says, you, you people, you know how to take care of a child. It's just the way that it is that sometimes having a child Makes you try harder, doesn't it? It makes you work more. Having a child, the way he says it here, you, this isn't a put down, it's just an acknowledgement of the truth. You who are evil, he says, you uh, who are born with sinful desires, you who are broken, you who are by nature a creature of wrath, you who were born wanting things that are wrong, you who still desire evil things sometimes and fantasize about things that you know are not going to be good for you, you who do this, you know how to rally yourself to answer good for a child who is in need. Well, how much more your heavenly Father who is perfect? And not just perfect in power, not just perfect in knowing everything, but perfect in His love and affection. Don't you know that all the more when you cry out to Him, He wants to answer you? How much more your heavenly Father? I say again, perhaps we pray so infrequently sometimes because we are thinking about ourselves and not about Him. I will regularly ask people as I go and visit them in their time of need, you know, our members who are are ailing or in the hospital, I might go and ask them, how how is your faith? How is your relationship with God? But I might do the same thing to a a person who's a prospective member, somebody who I've just met. Okay, so you want to be a member. I'm so glad that you're coming to church here. Well, tell me, how's your relationship with Christ? And again, it it is just the knee-jerk reaction for many of us to first go into self-evaluation mode. Right. Many people, I will ask this question, will go, well, I haven't been great lately. Well, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing everything I'm supposed to be doing. Their mind goes first to their own sin. And truly, if there's sin in your life, you need to turn away from it and repent. And truly, sin and unrighteousness in our life is a stumbling block to our relationship with God, but it's not a stumbling block to His affections for us. God loves you dearly and has good plan for you. So when I say, how is your relationship with Christ Perhaps the better answer shouldn't be a quick self-evaluation, but rather a declaration of Him. How's your relationship with Christ? Oh, Christ? He's perfect. He is excellent towards me. Me? Eh. But He has loved me and is near. He listens. He has given me His Holy Spirit. You'll understand I clearly don't deserve any of this, And yet, let me just tell you about how great He is. On the list of ways He is encouraging us to come to Him and have a relationship with Him and be near to Him, they include this, we, though we are evil, He is good and He knows what good things we want. And it's oftentimes at this point that many people will start to think about, gosh, this is a little too bold, audacious, you might say. This is a little too much. What do you mean, ask and it will be given to you? Certainly, there needs to be some clauses here, right? If you say this to your child now, ask of me anything and I will give it to you. Your child won't start going, hmm, you know, what, what can I get away with now? But there aren't any clauses provided here. There's no provisos. There's no stipulations put on the promises. And why not? because God is always good. That's what He has said here. One more argument for why Christ wants you, one more encouragement for why He wants you to come to the Father in prayer is because the Father is always good, and He always gives good things. You don't have to worry in your prayer that He is going to give you something that is bad for you, It's not possible because God only gives good things. God is always good. He will not give you something that is bad for you. You might be reminded at this moment, by way of illustration, of that classic country music song by Garth Brooks himself, Sometimes I Thank God for Unanswered Prayers. How many of you were with me before we got there? Yeah? All right. I'm glad you were alive then. Which is a silly song in its own way, and yet you don't have to be afraid of this consequence. All that Christ, for His part, He has said that God's desire is to provide good for you. This God is good, and He knows what you need even before you need it, so you simply have to ask. So for your part, you don't have to worry about getting the ask wrong. You don't have to spend time formulating to make sure you're asking for the right things. I suppose it would be perfectly appropriate for you to go to the Father now and say, God, I don't, I don't know even what I should ask in this situation. I don't know what's the best thing for me right now. But how about that? That's my ask then is you know if you'll just know on my behalf what is best for me and provide for it. That's that'll do. If you'll open my eyes and give me the wisdom to know what is best for me in this situation. How about this prayer? Father, I have no idea what I'm supposed to be doing right now. But if you would just open my eyes and make it clear to me, I already want to do it. If you'd show me any way you want to show me. If you'll open my eyes to see it, my ears to hear it, if you'll give me the courage to do it once I see it, these are excellent prayers. For your part, all that he says to do is ask. Go on, ask. What do you need? The odds are really high you know what your needs are. But then even if you don't, he does. He knows what you need before you need it. And so go to him with this kind of prayer. I I don't even know how to begin. But I I want to be the kind of person who does know how to begin. I want to be the person who does know how to pray to you well. I want to do right. I'm tired of giving in to sinful desires all the time. I'm tired of living life by being self-conscious. I I hate that I'm driven by my self-esteem. Father, could you help me be driven by something better? Perhaps your Holy Spirit? These simple, straightforward prayers are the ones that God is calling to you right now. Straight off of the page into your life as it is, Jesus is saying, come on, come to the Father in prayer. Just come and ask. Just just come and seek. Just come and knock. He already knows what you need. He is promising to provide for you as you pray to Him. You don't have to worry about it being coming out. This isn't like you know, there's the old story of the monkey's paw where you get these wishes. These guys, they find this old magical, uh, magical device, a monkey's paw, and as they make a wish, the paw closes finger by finger, and it's a horror story because every wish that they get gets fulfilled in a weird way that's bad for them. It's just not who God is. He is good, and He wants to provide good for you, and He will provide good for you. So ask, seek, knock. This God is good. The reason why you can pray anything to Him, anything at all, is because He is good, and He will not give you what is bad for you. He will only give you what is good for you. Finally, in what seems like a turn, but maybe as we start to think about the Christian life, it's not that much of a turn. Jesus says, ask, uh, Jesus says, sorry, at the end there, whatever you want others to do, do also the same for them. Whatever you want others to do for you, do the same for them. This is the law and all of the prophets together. Do unto others as you would have due to them. The golden rule, right? And there it is. I think the answer is, if you would be like Christ in this, if you would pray for other people the way you would want them to pray for you, you would fulfill the golden rule. I mean, how many of us, if, you, if something is wrong, here's a really quick, easy way to do this one. If you had something in your teeth, if you had something in your teeth, wouldn't you want someone to tell you you have something in your teeth? Do you really want to be the person who gets home at the end of the day with some giant piece of green something right in the front of your teeth and be going, how many of my friends did I see today? Is nobody going to stop and point this out to me? I think, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, if, if we, each of us, are serious, if we're in need of correction, Don't you think we would want someone to correct us? Kindly, discreetly, but wouldn't you want someone to correct you? If you have something in your teeth, wouldn't you want someone to, again, kindly, discreetly, pull you over to the side and say, You have something in your teeth. You got it, we're good. It's the perfect illustration. Even as we, brothers and sisters in Christ, need to correct each other, I mean, wouldn't you want somebody to come and offer you correction? Kindly, discreetly, if it's possible, to be able to say, you're shouting right now. To be able to say to somebody else, don't, you don't, you're going to be ashamed of the way you're talking later on. To be able to say to somebody else that this, this relationship is not going to be good for you. Hey, come, come over here. That, that's not going to lead to the happiness that you think it's going to lead to. I think we're to understand the golden rule in this way. To do unto others the way we would want them to do unto us is perhaps ought to be applied to brothers and sisters in Christ. Gently, kindly correcting each other. I mean, it's the perfect example. Always think when you see correction needed, if this was something in their teeth, or if it was a gentleman, if this gentleman, you know, if my brother's fly was down, you know, how would I approach this appropriately in such a way as to help a friend out? We will think about the golden rule in this way when we go to correcting a brother and sister in Christ to say to them as best we can, kindly, gently, discreetly, Hey, we've got we to do something different. This isn't working. You know, we, we've got to do something different. And in this way, we'll fulfill the golden rule. And as it applies to prayer here, it's easy. How about this? Pray for others the way you would want them to pray for you. How do you pray for other people that you're struggling with? How would you pray for somebody that you're having difficulties getting along with? How would you pray for somebody who disagrees with you? How would you pray for somebody who despises the fact that you love Christ and believe? Pray for them exactly as we would want them to pray for us. If you're the kind of person who's saying, Father God, open my eyes so that I can know what is good. Give me a heart that wants good. Well, then it'll be easy for you to pray for other people as well. Father God, open their eyes. I want them to have a good life. I want them to know you and how good it is to know you. Father God, I want them to, I mean this in the best possible way, Father God, I want them to grow up. Just as even I myself want to grow in maturity, I want them to as well. The call for you today is this, pray for others the way you would have them pray for for you, and pray for their children as well. One thing that will help endear other people to you, that it will change your heart and help you to love them more, is praying for their children. And no one will appreciate a prayer as much as when you pray for their children. I pray for children often because Christ answers prayer. You don't, need an answer, you don't need a reason to be praying for children other than what Christ has already given you here. But I pray for children also otherwise because it is so good for the souls of their parents and for the hearts of their parents to hear it. I pray all the time for people's children and for their grandchildren. Very simple, direct prayers like this one. Father God, I pray for this new grandbaby that you would raise this child up to be a sweet, kind, strong, godly woman. I pray that you would call her to follow you from a very young age and that this girl would follow you all the days of her life. Go on, use it. Take what prayer lines you want or you can find and pray for other people. Pray all the time, Father God, I pray for this sweet boy. I pray that you'd raise him up to be a good, godly man. I pray that you would raise him up to be kind and generous like Christ is. pray that you would raise him up to be yours from a very young age. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you, and pray for others the way you would have them pray for you. Christ's purpose. And, you know, I find this passage just to be so shocking what would you say if I told you, what would you say if I tried to make the case for you now that this is the central passage in Scripture? What would, you, what would you say if I told you that maybe, what if I made the case today? What if I said, you know what, I think the main theme of all of Scripture is God's relational presence. What have I told you today? I think the whole, the narrative, the theme behind the whole Bible is this. So the theme behind all of history is this. God drawing people towards him. God's relational presence. Of all the things God has revealed about himself, what is the greatest is this, the way God is relational and wants us to be in relationship to him. Go back and look at the garden and think about it. Go back and look at the way God calls Abraham and draws him towards. Go back and look at the way that he brings the people of Israel out of Egypt. The way he brings his presence into their midst. The way even in Exodus. Go and read Exodus. How, yeah, when God comes to Moses on the mountain, they're supposed to put a wall around the mountain and everything. But at the same time, there's this wonderful spot in Exodus chapter 14 where after they've purified themselves, the people are to come up. And instead of doing so, what do they do? The people go, no, no, we're, we're afraid of God. You go for us. We're, we're not willing to. But even then and all along, God is calling people towards Him and gathering them ever so closer to Him to dwell in their midst in the tabernacle, to dwell in their midst into the temple, and then by His work on the cross to draw them all the way into Him, Christ is not only in you today, but He is calling you to come and be in Him. Ask, seek, knock. You'll find the door open. Anyone who seeks Him will find Him, and His desire is to be found for you today. Perhaps I'll make another case for you today that the whole theme of the Bible is not just God drawing you towards Himself, but that the whole theme of your life is God drawing you into a closer relationship with Him. Thanks be to God. Father God, I thank You that You are so kind to us. I thank You that You're so patient with us. Father God, I pray now that You would stir our hearts towards You, Father, give us the strength to believe. Give us the audacity to believe that you are as good as you say you are. And give us the audacity of a child to ask. And if that's not enough, to seek. And if that's not enough, to go knocking. Give us the faith of a child to believe that the Father is good. We are so grateful to be called yours. And I pray that you would draw us ever closer to us. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.